Well, um, John Conti, why don't you head, head up here, and I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Uh, John Conti is a retired military. He continues to serve our country through FEMA. And when you see his uh, lovely wife, Sylvia, coming to church by herself, it's because John is uh, on mission somewhere around our country serving someone in need uh, because of a hurricane or floods, that kind of thing. So he, he and Sylvia both, they have this heart to serve. And they do that with people. They're life group leaders. And in their expression as life group leaders, they really show the heart of God as a shepherd, as a, as a pastor. And they carry this gift of pastoral care for those in their life group. It's, 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 it's the largest life group in the church. It, it just grows because of that love that they spread from them and through the others. And Susan Moore, their, their assistant leader, and it's just a, a beautiful thing to see. But um, John spoke last year on Memorial Day, and, uh, and we just all fell in love with his, his uh, ministry there that we wanted to have him back. And this was a good weekend for, for us to bring him back on a Sunday morning. So, John, come over here. I'm going to pray for you and, uh, and then let you get going. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for John and Sylvia and their ministry among our church family. Lord, we don't take it for, uh, for granted. We pray you bless them uh, in how they, in the many ways that they serve. And, and uh, also, John is a, a board member as well. And Lord, as, they, as John serves us today in, in what he's sought you about, Lord, we pray that you open our ears and heart to receive what you have for us and that you do lead him, guide him this morning. Father, we thank you that uh, this is a time where your words of truth from your word will penetrate our hearts and will be transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Is this for me? I can have that? Nobody else drink out of it? Good. You never know. You never know. Anybody follow the news here? No? Yeah, some? Don't you just want to slap someone? <laughs> Tell you what. This past year, the events, the craziness, the politicians, the media, the big corporations, the riots, the stupidity... Makes you want to fight, doesn't it? Makes you want to just reach out and touch someone, shake them, and talk some sense into them. Do you ever feel that? Just feel that. Tell you what, let the butt whoopings begin. Start lining up right here. Go out the door, go out the parking lot, circle down to Baghdad, come on back. I mean, we've got plenty. We've got cans of butt whoopings for you. I've got shelf loads of this in, in storage rooms. We've been taking preparedness classes. We're stored up with this. We've got this right now. So, of course, we could always look right back into the, these people, into their ignorant, hateful, evil faces, and you could act just like they do. Dish it right back to them. See how they like it. Now we've got, we've got anger. We've got uh, concerns on how we could do this. Do we fight? Do we not fight? This morning we're going to hear a little bit of war language from the Bible. 
But you know what? Perhaps maybe we should do the nice Christian thing. Okay? Maybe not point out their evil ways. Don't question their ignorant words. Don't bring their darkness into the light. No, really, neither one of these is what we're called to do. But we must fight. We must resist the evil one. The message today is called Prepare the Way. We must fight. Prepare the way. We must fight. In James, I don't have this slide, but James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. Resist the devil and the world's ways. Humble ourselves and submit to God. When you repent, you could say that you are now part of the resistance. When you resist the devil. How's that for war language? We're part of the resistance. Better not say that too much. They may take us offline. For the past few weeks, one particular song kept coming to me, and I listened to it quite regularly. It's a song by Julie Myers, uh, an artist out of IHOP, and it's based on John the Baptist. At the end of the service, when we take communion, we'll, we'll hear this song. The song is called The Voice of One. It's in, based on the scripture uh, talking about John the Baptist. In fact, John the Baptist is mentioned uh, in good detail in all four of the Gospels. Not all messages are in every one of the Gospels, but John the Baptist is. So on our first slide, Luke 3, 4. Okay. It says, as it is written... In the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. And the flesh will see the salvation of God. John was used to usher in the Messiah. Now, my hope for this message today, (laughs) very humbly, I hope to help trigger in the next great move of God. You know, I'm sure every pastor, every preacher, anyone who comes up, that's their hope. As lofty as that is, this song, the message from the Bible, talks of preparation for the coming of Jesus. John called people to prepare the way, to repent and be baptized, to look to the scriptures, to get ready to encounter the Messiah. Now, I know Miss Rachel is probably leading, uh, taking care of doing some sort of uh, youth uh, river kid stuff, right? Yeah. She's probably teaching. One day she'll run the whole thing. Yeah, this is Rachel, all right? But I've got a scripture for her. I'll share it with her specifically. But uh, I'm so happy she made the move to, to be baptized. Uh, Rachel's a fighter. She, she 
loves righteousness. But I've got a scripture. First Peter 3, starting at verse 8. Now, this is the goal. To live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly. You know, that's hard to do. It's hard not to want to retaliate when someone treats you wrongly. Nor insult those who insult you. Don't you just want to? I mean, so much. But instead, respond, respond by speaking a blessing over them. Because a blessing is what God promised to give you. For the scriptures tell us, whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words and never deceive in what they say. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Well, that's for Rachel. That's for us too. All right? So I'm glad there was baptism today, and I'm glad it was Rachel. Now, for the rest of you uh, uh, young people here today, some of you have made the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord. Some of you maybe not yet. Some of you, like a lot of folks, just say, Jesus, 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 blah, blah, blah. Been there to church, heard it over and over again. Let's just hear it again. Let's go. Then let's go back and play Game Boy. It, it doesn't penetrate. It hasn't penetrated yet. Well, I pray that, you know, today, I pray that Jesus doesn't become blah, blah, blah to you. You have a gift. God plans to use you. Okay? But the time is going to be where you are going to come in close relationship with him as you learn more, as you surround yourself with others, as you focus on him. He will reach out to you. That's our call today. Call for repentance. Call for your life to be dedicated to the Lord. I believe that on this day... In 2021, we want to prepare for the next great encounter with the Messiah. And I think we're called for a lot of things, but I think we're called for three things in particular today in order to fight for our faith. And the goal for fighting is to save and to bring lost souls to glory. Not to feel better ourselves. The goal for fighting is to bring in lost souls into glory. This next slide, three, three things I think that uh, today we were called to. One is called to repentance. Now, all through this season, last few months, uh, we've been hearing the, um, and, and saying the scripture, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves... I, I don't have the whole scripture up here, but part of that is uh, turn from their wicked ways, to repent. Okay? That call wasn't just for the elections. That call is all the time. That call is all the time. We must 
be broken. We must repent. We must turn from our evil ways. So the first thing on this fighting is a call to repentance. Call to repentance. That's hard. There's a lot of things you don't want to give up. There's a lot of things we don't want to give up. Second is a call to contend for the faith. I'll have a couple scriptures here in a minute, but uh, contending for the faith. In in the uh, Greek, apparently, and I'm certainly no Greek scholar, it's all Greek to me, but the... uh, uh, Apparently, the word contend, as used in, in the scriptures, uh, impl- implies wrestling, impl- implies hand-to-hand combat, implies fighting, getting in there and doing it. So we're going to be called to contend for the faith. Okay? Now, contending uh, means knowing what you know, knowing what you believe, knowing why you believe it, and being able to communicate and willing to communicate that with somebody else. Which brings to the third one, called to reach lost souls with winsome love. Winsome. That's kind of a good word. I can almost hear Pastor Joel so, uh, say maybe, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's not it. Okay, Winsome, used this way, is being generally pleasing. Okay? Being engaging. Often presenting a childlike charm. An innocence. Okay? Generally pleasing. So that's how we want to approach our fight. Our contention. When we contend with others. Now some of the message today is taken from messages. A variety of messages. Actually from uh, one of our favorite preachers in our life group is Vodi Bakum. Uh, he has a very deep compassion for the lost, a wonderful love for God and the Bible, and he presents his messages with deep knowledge and passion, but he presents it so clearly. And I would encourage and recommend that, that all of y'all take uh, time to watch and learn from Vodi. V-O-D-D-I-E, you plug that in, a bunch of sermons pop up. Jump on any one of those. Uh, Many of these sermons on YouTube from various things that he's done. But Dr. Bachman frequently contends for the faith using apologetics. Now, apologetics, I just mentioned, basically boils down to this. Knowing what you believe, why you believe it, and then being able to communicate effectively and winsomely with others. All right? There's forces of evil out there, folks. Christians, we face spiritual conflict with Satan and a host of evil spirits. These powers of darkness are the spiritual forces of evil who energize the ungodly. They energize the ungodly. They oppose God's will. And they frequently attack believers in Christ. Our enemy. I'm sure many of you have the names of maybe face pictures of several people that come to mind. When you think of the enemy. Okay? So many come to my mind right now. I won't even mention their names. But our engagement with them should be done with love and boldness. 
love and boldness. I recently rewatched the debates between Ken Ham of the uh, Answers in Genesis. He's the one who's got the Creation Museum. He ended up building uh, the Ark Encounter. It was Noah that built the first Ark. He built the Ark Encounter. It was a debate between Ken Ham and Bill Nye, the science guy. And maybe some of you saw this a few years ago. Still available on YouTube to see. Ken Ham contended for the position of creation science, or the young earth model of creation. And Bill Nye contended for the theory of evolution and the billions of years model. You know, the Big Bang Theory. While I was certainly rooting for Mr. Ham, there were lots of tough points on both sides of the debate. The creation model argument definitely had a lot of science backing it up, as well as faith. Science mixed with faith. But the evolution model argument had a lot of science backing up his points, Mr. Nye's points. But there's some takeaways uh, in this debate for us average Christians that, that I want to point out. One, we shouldn't be afraid of addressing issues with a biblical worldview. Okay? A humanistic worldview, on the other hand, proposes and presupposes there is no God. There is no creator. When they go into science, when they go into the study in, of archaeology, geology, any of these sciences, biology... They do experiments, they do research, they have theses, but their thesis does not allow for the possibility that there was a creator, that there was a designer, that there's a God. So any outcomes that they see or that may indicate that, thrown out. Because that is not one of their presuppositions. Okay? They look at things very differently. An evolutionary science would not come to the conclusion of a creator or an intelligent designer because he or she enters an experiment with that presupposition. There is no God. Okay? Another point, we need to learn and study how the biblical accounts of creation operate. Okay? We need to be familiar. We need to have that in us. There's a lot of science that supports it. That's what I love. That's what I'm excited about. There's archaeology that supports the creation science model. You go to any doctor's office, dentist's office, the eye doctor, the, they have charts, don't they? They have charts, and they show all the intricacies. You know, the, this little part, this part, the nerve, the, everything that, that uh, is, is in a person in their... Uh, again, their eyes, their ears, their digestive system, all this. Elaborate. Wonderfully made. Okay? But all the science in the world can't make another one of you. All the science in the world can't make another one of you. Okay? So we need to learn and study and know the biblical account of creation. Again, of course, Genesis is the beginning of this knowledge. But take time to dig in, everybody. Take time to dig in. Sharpen your skills because we're going to encounter evolutionists hey, in school, right? 
in school, day by day. And they are so convinced that there is no God that did this. Okay? The evolutionist theory relies, <laughs> really, upon as much faith or more than does creationism in determining the origin of the world and of species. Neither are able to observe things taking place. They look at evidence, and everybody has the same evidence. They look at the Grand Canyon. They look at fossils. They look at all the different evidence. It's the same evidence. But everybody comes at it with a predetermined outcome, a presupposition on this outcome. But I applaud Ken Ham for contending or defending the faith. When contending for the faith, two big arguments come forth quickly. If you ever have this conversation with somebody, one of, the, one of two arguments, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God. And the second one is, I don't believe in the Bible. Okay? How do we contend with these? Okay? Quite often our responses to these statements go something like this. Okay? Well, I don't believe in Jesus. And a lot of times our responses are, oh, um, um, well, you just got to have faith. Okay? At this point, we need to contend better. Okay? We need to contend better. Now, apologetics, uh, contending or defending what you believe, First uh, Peter uh, 3.15. Let's be uh, next slide here. In 1 Peter 3.15, he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you, and a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Okay? So we're called to contend. We're called to provide a defense. We're called to know why we believe what we believe. Okay? And I believe knowing why will strengthen your faith. There's some things you've got to take on faith. But the basis of it has to be that uh, a knowledge, knowing why you believe, and being able to communicate that well. Okay? The second, uh, second verse, this is in Jude. If you want to look up Jude, don't ask me what chapter. See, I like that. You all know there's only one chapter in Jude. I like that. Okay. But in Jude, and that's uh, verse 3. And I've gotten to like TPT is the Passion Translation. It's kind of new, and uh, they, they explain things very nicely on how they came about their translation. But it's, it, it's a wonderful little translation. Dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation we all participate in, but felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. He wrote one of the, one of the uh, books of the Bible, and his original intent, he changed. He was going to talk about salvation to this group wherever he was writing to, but instead it was important to challenge us to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. 
Okay? Fighting words. Okay? Get in there and wrestle. Get in there in hand-to-hand combat. But be prepared. Okay? For God, through the apostles, has once for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. Back then, 2,000-some years ago, now he has continued to entrust those to us, to his believers. Okay? Okay? Knowing what you believe. Okay? When it comes down to it and somebody asks you, uh, why do you believe in Jesus? I don't believe in Jesus. Well, let them know what you believe. Okay? I believe in Jesus who came to this world from heaven to be the savior for a very sinful world, which includes me. I believe that he was the fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies in the Bible that foretold of his coming, foretold of his ministry, foretold of his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming. Well, they may come back and say, well, why do you believe that? I said, not only does the Bible foretell of Jesus and historical, uh, other historical documents talk about the fulfillment and his teachings and all the miraculous events, but other historical writers verified his life okay, and the events surrounding him. Now, I question his, that impact too. Okay? I, and I've come to the conclusion that the writings are true, his life, death and resurrection are necessary for living a life that goes beyond this life. Yeah? Now you can explain things away. You can contend. You can know apologetics. You can do all of that. But still you're likely to come up with an answer. And wouldn't it be nice if you could just present the case and that soul is saved? Okay? That would be wonderful. But I don't think just contending is going to do it. You get an answer back like, yeah, but see, you talk about the Bible, foretell about Jesus and prophecies and recording history. I don't believe in the Bible either. This is one I just absolutely love from Vody Bachman. If you commit this to heart, says, know what you believe. I said, I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of the other eyewitnesses. They report to supernatural events that took place to the fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writing was divine rather than human in origin. Okay? That's deep. It's from Scripture, actually. Doesn't that say, I choose, I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents. And that reliability, that authenticity has been proven from scholars outside the Bible. Okay? Those historical documents written down by eyewitnesses. That's what's important to me right there. By eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. A lot of that scripture, the uh, 
um, the Gospels, a lot of the New Testament scripture uh, mentions that uh, a lot of you have seen what I'm talking about. You were there. You were eyewitnesses. Don't forget. We've got to take hold of that. Can we prove all this by science? No. But it's historical evidence. It's historical evidence. And it's valid historical evidence. Okay? Written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report to supernatural events. Supernatural events that took place to the fulfillment of specific prophecies. Okay? We don't hear that from the evolutionary side at all. They report to supernatural events that took place to the fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writing was divine rather than human in origin. Okay? I thank you, Mr. Bacham, Dr. Bacham, Vody, for, for that. It's been become near and dear to us in our life group, uh, to me personally, but it, it helps to explain to others why I believe in the Bible. Okay? Sometimes we, those we talk with still will not accept these things. Josh McDowell, in his collection, The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict, I've got a copy of that book. It's a wonderful book. It's a wonderful reference. I think everybody needs to get that if you want to help develop your arguments, your contention for a lot of the arguments that you would, would encounter. It's not a book that reads like a story. It's a research book. Josh McDowell was basically an atheist uh, back as, uh, in his uh, teens and 20s. And he set out intentionally to disprove the Bible, to disprove the existence of Jesus and his uh, divinity. He set out. He was a true seeker. Okay? So many times folks are just saying, I don't believe. I don't want it believe. I just don't believe. Okay? But he was seeking in the way to disprove it. But evidence after evidence after evidence after evidence, and the book is loaded with it, not just his own. Research, other folks, uh, led to evidences that he calls demands a verdict. If you go to a courtroom, things aren't always so cut and dry. Right? There's evidence pointing one way or another, and then there's a decision that needs to be made. In the same way, this provides some evidence for you to uh, increase your faith, increase your argument, increase your fight, your contention in love, winsome love. Uh, but it's a, it's, a good, uh, it's a good resource. Anyway, he would encounter uh, students and professors and folks on college campuses and different things and get, still get a lot of pushback on all this evidence. So he would say, if I were able to prove to you without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is who he said he is and that the Bible is true, would you believe? And he was saddened by how many times people would still say, no, no. He said, well, it's, then it's not a problem of evidence. It's not a problem of, of belief. It's a problem of your will. Okay? You, you, 
these folks did not want to give up what they thought they were going to have to give up to follow, follow Jesus. So be encouraged, okay? We, we may not win every fight, but we must fight. We must contend, okay? Contending, I think we have that last slide up again. It's just a repeat. To contend or wrestle or hand-to-hand combat is necessary to increase our depth of understanding and thereby increase our faith with evidence. Okay? What will win lost souls? And that's what this is about. What will win lost souls is God's Holy Spirit working through us. Our call to communicate to others the testimony of our repentance and effective and winsome love will prove to draw others even more than the best fight or evidence or Bible verse. But we need all three. All right? I was reminded of a story that took place when I was a teenager. We all had a chance to see the movie, The Cross and the Switchblade. And to get the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. And the story involved a young preacher, David Wilkerson. Ended up going on to wonderful ministry down in Brooklyn, New York. But when he was young, he had a compassion for what looking in the news. And he saw some thugs, gang members in the newspaper, getting ready for trial, and he looked at the look on their face, the the look of hopelessness on their faces. And for some reason, God, the Holy Spirit, put in his heart a love for these gang members. He went and and, uh, tried to seek some of them out, and initially ran into resistance, but God put that in his heart to go and preach and love on these gang members who had cons- done all sorts of crimes. One in particular, a leader of the called the Mau Maus, uh, Nicky Cruz, grew up in Puerto Rico, mother and father, Satanists. Uh, did rituals, tormented their son, Nicky. Eventually, he moved to New York City. Got moved, uh, they moved him out of their house in Puerto Rico, moved him up to some family in New York City at age 15. Eventually, he joined a gang. All he knew was that hates. All he knew was that violence. All he knew is that he wanted to hurt somebody like his mom and dad hurt him. He wasn't above knife fights and drugs and and all of this. By the time he was 19, he was warlord of one of these groups. Warlord of one of these gangs. But David Wilkerson, moved by the Holy Spirit, filled with love for Nicky Cruz and for the gang, continued to go and try to 
reach them. Now, it wasn't just what he was saying, not just the contention, not just the Bible that he was preaching. What I believe won Nicky Cruz and these others to repentance to come in was David Wilkerson's effective, winsome love and nature and his persistence in going through. Nicky Cruz, on a day that he was set to come and kill the preacher, <laughs> Wilkerson actually sent a bus to go pick up the Mau Maus. He <laughs> sent a bus to go get them, bring them to this rally. Okay? So they're there in this enclosed gymnasium or something. And what happens, David uh, Wilkerson asks Nicky and the gang to take up a collection. So, of course, they're all over that. They're making, you know, put a little more in. You know, they're, they're shaking the crowd down a little bit. Okay? And they were about to take off with it. All right? But something about the nature of the Holy Spirit through this servant, through David Wilkerson, melted the heart of this man. And Nicky Cruz got saved. And, st- and became... Uh, an important evangelist. And he led Teen Challenge. And he brought a lot of other folks in. Okay? We must fight, folks. We must fight. And the goal is for souls. And the goal is for souls. Okay? We must hear the Holy Spirit, just like David Wilkerson did. Our life group had a challenge a couple of years ago. And the challenge was on listening to that still voice of God. Listening to the direction that he wanted us to go in. We thought, we're going to challenge you to pay attention to uh, those around you, and we want you to give somebody 20 bucks. Well, we had a pretty good-sized life group at, at that time, and we, didn't, we said, you know, in order to make this work, we're going to have to provide the money for them to go out and do that. Well, very shortly, the Lord provided something we weren't expecting, and there was enough money to do that. $20 for every young person, every uh, adult. I think we had about 45 or so that, that got this thing and, had, and accepted the challenge. Well, now we didn't put any restrictions on it. You know? What does God want you to do with this gift? And the, it wasn't so much about the money. It wasn't that at all. It was, what does God want you to do right now? Where is he sending you? What's, what's the direction? We had quite a few uh, stories. Some folks uh, gave to a, uh, uh, a guy or a lady at the street corner, says, we're homeless. And they said, I never do that. I never do that, but the Lord impacted that person to, to give to that, that time and to share an encouraging word. Who knows? Another person used that money, made a meal, and gave that to somebody else. Okay? One family uh, reached out to members in their neighborhood, okay? reached out to members in their neighborhood, increased that giving, okay? established relationship. 
in that neighborhood. My friend Donnie Carpenter said, I don't know what I was, why I would stop at Waffle House to get a Diet Coke. I wanted a Diet Coke, and I went to Waffle House. Now, if you know where Waffle House is, there's all these other places you can get a Diet Coke. Cheaper, you know? But somehow, the Lord led him to a Waffle House to get a Diet Coke. And there he met a a young lady, a waitress, and struck up a quick conversation, and immediately he knew this young lady needed prayer and that $20 would go a long way. And there were stories. I mean, they all, everybody had uh, just a a wonderful story, but the idea wasn't, how can I get rid of this, this money? No, no. It was being guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, if I were to go in and try to talk to Nikki Cruz without hearing about it, nope. <laughs> no, you've got to listen, and you've got to understand. Hear the Holy Spirit. Listen for the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, Want to continue uh, on this fight, okay? We, 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 we must fight, okay? We must fight. We must fight against the world view that promotes abortion. Okay? Can you imagine the day after Roe v. Wade is overturned? Think about it. Folks have been fighting for, what, over 48 years, something like that, to have Roe v. Wade overturned. Is there victory? Is there automatically no abortion? No, a law is going to be overturned. What's still there, church, what's still there is that worldview. Okay? You're messing with our health care. You're messing with our reproductive system. It's not going to stop abortion cold in its tracks. Sixty-some-plus million abortions... Church, I think we need to repent, not for just Roe v. Wade. We need to talk. We need to get into the trenches. We need to turn hearts and minds to God. Right? I hope Roe v. Wade gets overturned. I hope that becomes not the law of the land anymore. I pray for that. But right now, we're still in that fight. Okay? Yes, continue to try to get that turned over, but talk to young ladies. Talk to young men. Talk to them about holiness. Talk to them about God. Right? I, I hate to admit, but I think a lot of those 60 million are on us, church. You know? So let's... What is your battle? Okay? If that's your battle, we need to work on the hearts and minds of these folks. Okay? We must fight against that worldview. We must fight against a worldview that condones perversion. Okay? That's some other good listening on Vody Bachman. Take a look. He'll encourage you about talking about how to talk about 
issues of homosexuality, same-sex marriage, the biblical view, and strengthen you. This will strengthen your sword. Okay? Fight against the worldview that claims there is no creator God. Fight for the souls of people who believe in these worldviews. We must fight for the liberties that we have through the Bill of Rights, which are biblical in foundation. We must fight for the needs of the poor and the less fortunate, for the orphans and for the widows. We must contend and defend and explain our faith with effective and winsome and effective communication. We must train, we must prepare for battles through repentance, through prayer and intercession, and through knowing the Word of God intimately. Before we go into communion, I don't think any talk about fighting and warfare would be complete without a little section on Ephesians 6. And this uh, is taken from uh, the Passion Translation as well. Uh, talking about the armor of God. And I know at a lot of our uh, meetings and things that we've been through, we, a lot of times we end with that. I know Buddy Caldwell and, uh, prays that over us practically every meeting. I know others, uh, others as well. But let me just finish with this here. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved the most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. They are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. You are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you and stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith. I like this. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield. For it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. And embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. Now when we put on the armor of God, I know the image is one person. My armor. The army had a thing back a while back, uh, an army of one. I never did like that, an army of one, because I know that armies, soldiers, need each other. Okay? You fight combined arms. Some folks uh, are, are infantry, some are uh, tankers, some are field artillery, some are engineers. 
uh, intelligence, on and on. It took combined arms, aviation. It, it, it took a lot of folks, even in your team, shoulder to shoulder. So when you're praying and you're putting on the armor, at the end when it says, uh, Play the, pray these blessings upon all his believers. Those are your soldiers. Those are your battle buddies. Those, those are the ones shoulder to shoulder with you. Right? Don't go into this alone. Don't go into the fight alone. This helps to encourage you. Stay with a, an accountability partner. Stay with somebody in the word. Build each other up. Okay? We're not an army of one. We can't be an army of one. That's too easy to pick off. That's too easy to pick off. As we go into communion, I had a chance uh, several years ago to hear uh, a monk, a priest, at uh, the Gethsemane, um, the monastery Gethsemane. It's near Bardstown. Uh, we were supposed to be quiet for three days and contemplative and, and all that. And, uh, but the only words we heard was this devotion at night. Uh, this guy was, oh, I don't know, maybe in his 70s. Um, talked tough. He, he was like from Boston or something. He had kind of that, kind of that edge like, uh, yeah, I'll knock you out. You know, he, it, it was like, yeah, don't cross me too much. I, I, you know, this goes only so far, you know talked up but he talked about communion he talked about communion that night and he says in the 40 years i've been uh under the cloth i've been a priest i've served communion not taking communion i've served communion every day and it has never gotten old every day when i serve the bread and the wine says, that's not just bread and wine. It's the body of Christ. The bread is the body. The wine is his blood. He says, now I believe, us Catholics believe, he said, says that on the cross, he's still there. When we give communion, that's his blood. That's his body. He says, it's as real to me now as it was the first time and every day. He said, and who put him up on that cross? Why do we do this? To remember his sacrifice. Who put him up there? He goes, he says, well, you did. I did. We all chipped in a little. Our sin. Okay? So my prayer for you today, as you come up and take communion, is that this become real to you again. Okay? That this be a, a special time between you and Lord Jesus. As you remember the sacrifice. As you remember the plan that God sent his son for us to be our salvation. How I'd like to do this. Um, felt it important to have it up front. To have that action of approaching the altar. For you. Okay? When you come on up and keep your fair distancing and, and that sort of thing, that, let, let's honor that. But come on up and return to 
uh, your seat or a seat up front. Uh, there'll be a little bit of room at the altar. Uh, we don't want to crowd it all up. Just be mindful of that. Okay? And if you're unable to come forward, if you want to ask somebody to come get it for you, that's fine. But uh, please come. These little uh, communion offerings, they're, um, the bread's on one side. You peel it out, take that, turn it over. The juice is on the other. Don't open the juice while it's upside down, please. Okay. Um, but let this be a, a, an opportunity. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to, to take the Lord's Supper today and to, uh, uh, to approach the altar humbly in submission. Lord, the lights, and we've got um, that song. The voice there we go. Of one crying out in the wilderness. The voice. Lord, thank you for your blood shed for us, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for your, your body, represented by the bread, broken for us, Lord God, for our healing, Lord God, spirit, soul, and body. And thank you, Lord, that as we receive this cleansing, and as a re, either for the first time, if you haven't given your heart to Christ before and this is the first time, then praise God, you're a child of God with us. You're like Rachel. You've turned away from your sin, turned to God, and given your whole life to Him. Lord, we pray for any of those doing that today, Lord God, that you connect them with a friend, a Christian friend, or someone here here at the church building, or a friend, a Christian friend, and Talk to them. Be connected to the body of Christ. Lord, we cannot make it through the rest of this day without your broken body and your shed blood. We can't make it and pray without you. We can't make it and love without you. We can't make it and be at peace without you. Thank you that when you died on the cross, you also defeated death and sin through death by rising again from the dead and living forevermore and we certainly would not be able to go to heaven without you Lord Jesus but let's pray for us uh, according to uh, John's uh, message Lord God we pray for that that grace to, to, to do the both and Lord God to contend for the faith, but also walk in winsome love. Lord, we don't want to compromise your truth in any way, and yet, Lord, we must speak the truth in love. So, Lord, help us in this message, oh God, to, uh, to, to be able to speak out and articulate our faith, and yet also would, would they see, no matter who the person is, the love of God in our eyes, in our motivations, in our speech, in our our conversations with God. So, Lord, we ask for that empowerment of your your grace this week and into 2021 of that both and, will God.
reflecting you in in the both and. Well, God, thank you that we receive your blessing into this week. Lord, we we don't want to try to do it without you. We don't want to try to walk forgetting about you, but Lord, but walk with you into this week. You're more than enough for us. Amen.